everybody, and welcome to another installment of the Wrigley Wingmen podcast. Trent Johnson along with co-host Jacob Wielander, as always. And Jacob, the trade deadline is upon us. The Cubs have made a couple moves so far, and we're just going to dedicate this episode mainly to the Cubs trading for one of the best relievers in baseball, Araldus Chapman. Yeah, I thought we were going to get on here uh, and talk about Mike Montgomery, and then sure enough, the Cubs outdo themselves. And like you say, or like you said, uh, trade for one of, if not the best closers in baseball right now. He has the best opponent's batting average in the history of the game. Yeah, and what is his... uh, His opponent's batting average is 157, and his K per nine is 15 plus. It's a little over 15. I was about to ask the K per nine, because I remember for a while... I can read your mind. I got you. I know what you're going to ask. For a while, Marmel had that record. I don't remember what it was. It wasn't that high, obviously. It was a lot lower, and I remember being really proud of that record for two or three years till Chapman comes around and uh, destroys it. But I wish it was that simple. I wish we could just sit here and uh, rejoice about the Cubs uh, trading for this closer. No, we can't do that. We will. I'll hit on Mike Montgomery real quick. Um, so far his Cubs career, he's got two outs and he's given up two runs and he's allowed 100% of his inherited runners to score. So he's off to probably the least efficient start in Cubs history right there, but he's he's got to get better. <laughs> All he can go is up. So hopefully Montgomery gets the ship turned around because quality arms in the bullpen is what we need. And so far he hasn't been a quality arm. And we're recording this right after he gave up a walk-off to the White Sox. So if my voice is not conducive to listening and I sound angry, don't blame me. Blame blame the game. Isn't that right, Jacob? Don't blame the player. Blame the player. <laughs> That's right. So anyways, let's start on our Raldis Chapman talk, Jacob. Obviously, we already mentioned it. He's If we're looking at like a pound-for-pound, pound, just... A good arm he's one of the best arms in baseball if you just look you know, at overall arms yeah absolutely he I mean it only it doesn't take an expert to look at him and see that he throws harder than pretty much anyone we've ever seen I just watched a documentary that was on Netflix called fastball I'd recommend it for anybody out there with Netflix it's literally an hour and a half about the fastball like the pitch you think that'd be pretty boring it was actually pretty fascinating they talked a lot about Chapman and his fastball um for me, like obviously, it would be a disservice to the situation to to just say, let's just look at this from a baseball perspective. But for the sake of just getting through that, I'm going to uh, really quickly give you my take from a baseball perspective. Okay, we'll um, start with baseball, and then we'll go. We'll delve into the deeper issues after that. Sure. You know, unfortunately, it's a really steep price to pay. Uh, for a guy like Chapman in terms of the players we gave up, the prospects we give up or we gave up. But I really think as unfortunate as that is, I think that's just the going rate for a guy like Chapman. Um, I think that's just what it was going to take to get him. And for me, the scariest thing, and maybe scary isn't the right word, but the thing I keep thinking about is that in my mind, this is kind of the beginning of a new era. Uh, We talk a lot about teams um, and their window their competitive window. Uh, last year, I kind of thought of 2015 as year negative one of the Cubs' competitive window. Or I guess you could say year zero. 
obviously they were good. They were four games away from going to the World Series. But everything they did last year was kind of just cherries on top for yeah, me. If, if you said that going into the season, like if you look at the beginning of the 2015 season, at the beginning of the 2015 season, my expectation was 500. Yeah, I like think I we was were like, all... if they can compete, go 500, a few games above, I'll be happy with that. They ended up winning 97 and going to the NLCS. I think we were all in the same boat where uh, we talked about it a week or two ago. You know, if for me it was like, let's just play games that matter. Where this year is completely different. Um, this year, I, I don't. Again, I don't want to say that. We're in we're in the window now. We have to win now because a lot of times when we talk about competitive windows with teams, we're talking like two, three, four years. The Cubs are built much longer than that. So don't hear me saying the Cubs have to win right now because that's not the case. But when was the last time that the Cubs traded away a top prospect, top-ish prospect, um, to acquire an impact player at the trade deadline? Yeah, we were. I was thinking about this earlier, and I'm not very well versed in where the Cubs system was 10 years ago or even five or eight years ago. But if you look at players who are stars in the MLB currently, you look at Josh Donaldson. I'm not sure where he was in our prospect list whenever we traded him. And I also don't know about Chris Archer, who was in the Matt Garza deal, if I'm not mistaken. Josh Donaldson would have been the Rich Harden deal with the A's? I believe so. That was the deal with like Sean Gallagher and Matt Merton and Eric Patterson, I believe. Yeah, that's right. So you look at those guys. So it would have been the Rich Harden trade. And I don't even know if the Matt Garza trade was really... It was just they kind of needed somebody there, so... Right. I think that was kind of just a tread water to keep the fans from going ballistic. But... This year, it's very clear. For the first time in the Theo Jed era, they're starting to shed what they've done such a good job of collecting for the last four or five years, and that's prospects, top-level prospects. Up until this year, everything that they've done around the deadline has been focused mainly on uh, trading away our talent to get prospects. And now... Now we're finally, we've turned the corner, and now we're starting to trade away our assets um, for impact pitching to win right now. So what's scary to me is now, and I shouldn't think of it this way, but now it's almost like we're in the era where if we don't win the World Series, we've wasted, we've waste, we're, we're wasting things. That wasn't the case last year. I didn't, I didn't walk away from last year going, what a huge waste. Now, I should have because it takes a lot to get to that point. I shouldn't have taken that for granted, but I kind of did. Now, it's like if we don't win the World Series, it's like, well, there's one casualty. Yep, there's Torres, and um, wow, I'm already losing my train of thought. I, f- I forgot <laughs> this, too. It, Torres I, and Billy McKinney, I was like, there they go. I know, yeah. But from so, a baseball standpoint, again, going back to Chapman, if the Cubs have the lead in the seventh inning or later, there's no excuse for losing these games anymore. Whenever currently, when you'd have to send out someone like an Adam Warren who was struggling mightily this year, who's another name they sent to New York in the trade, it was like, okay, there's a very good chance we're giving up runs, so we have to build our lead. Now, say it's a 3-2 ball game heading into seven or heading into the eighth, there's no excuse for losing these ball games whatsoever at this point anymore with Chapman in there. There's none. And not only are we we shoring up the back end, but now we're we're pretty much 
it makes us very versatile in middle relief now too because now say a starter struggling to get out of the sixth inning we can go to a guy like Travis Wood who's been phenomenal this year and just go for one batter if Montgomery I think he will pitch better than he has his first two appearances yeah. that allows him to maybe just face one batter earlier in the ball game than Joe would like to do it where currently Maybe Travis Wood wants to be saved till the seventh inning or maybe even the eighth inning to face a left-handed batter. Now that allows Joe to do that in the sixth inning or even the fifth inning if stuff's going poorly for the starter. And is it just me or in the in the span of like a week, did we go from not having enough relievers to having way too many relievers? Yeah, we have way too many. We don't have room for some of like Cahill right now in Iowa and Carl Edwards into the mix who's been throwing the ball very well. And watch out for Justin Grimm under the radar. He's been I've I like what he's doing throwing the ball recently. It seems like he's starting to finally find his way and come around. Yeah, I mean uh, we, bullpens they just move. They're so fluid. They sometimes guys pitch so well for a month and then they just fall off the face of the earth. And then and again, I just talked about Carl Edwards Jr. He could be a wild card late in the season if he keeps throwing the ball the way he is now using him in the sixth inning that's that's pretty nasty what do you think um about Hector Rondon losing the spot there is a I saw an interview with him and he said all the right things pretty much what he was saying is I'm not worried about losing the closer spot too much because I wasn't getting saves anyway so it's not really that big uh for me but if you just think about the path Hector Rondon has taken to get to this point I believe he was a Rule 5 draft. Uh, we got him, worked his way, kind of, I don't want to say came out of nowhere, but for me at least, and as far as uh, who's on my radar, he just kind of came out of nowhere and became one of, uh, if not our best reliever. Um, it just seems like that back end of that of that bullpen between Strope, Rondona, and now Chapman, they all just kind of showed up in different ways, and now... Yeah, like you said, that's I'd be scared if I was uh, an opposing team in the seventh inning who was uh, trailing. Answering your question, I think it doesn't really matter that Rondon lost the closer's role. Hopefully he can flourish in the setup man, the eighth inning role. But he's going to get the closer job back after 62 more games plus hopefully a good postseason run. So he knows that job's going to be his after Chapman. Test free agency, I don't see him being a long-term with the Cubs because he's going to make a lot of money. But from a baseball standpoint, he's a great arm. And if the Cubs can make the playoffs, get in the playoff run, their playoff odds right now are sitting at about 96%, so everything's looking good. If the offense stays healthy, it's it's a good move for the playoffs just because you can't afford to blow games in the playoffs. We saw it with the Royals the last few years. They've had the best back-end rotation in baseball, and they've done very well for themselves the last two years with that back-end rota- back of the bullpen. I agree, and I know a lot of people are upset um, that we gave up our what a lot of people would uh, argue our top prospect for a guy that, like you said, is only going to, you know, essentially a rental. And I, I know that's, that's upsetting. It's kind of even with uh, – um, the Dan Vogelbach discussion with Mike Montgomery it I understand that a lot of times like the the asset we're giving up doesn't always match what we're getting but I think a lot of what goes into a guy like Torres and the reason 
that uh, we gave him up is he's still out. He's like, he's very, very young. He wasn't yeah, he's only be... 18 years old and the current MLB shortstop's only 22 years old. So there's really not much of a window for him to break in anywhere in the organization. And again, Theo and Jed know these players better than anyone. And I'm not saying that they know that he's a, he's a bum or anything like that, but I completely trust anything they do. Like if they're gonna, if they say no, it is worth giving up Torres um, and McKinney uh, for this guy. Then I, I trust them. I it wasn't always like that. Like when, I, when we traded for Matt Garza, I only kind of knew who Chris Archer was. But I remember thinking, why are we doing this? We're not going to be good. This doesn't make any sense. I did not have that trust in 2010 or whatever year that was. Now I do. I don't know how you feel, but now it's like whatever they do, as long as it's just not blatantly stupid, which I don't think they've done anything like that, I'm completely fine with them giving up Torres, McKinney, uh, and everyone else just because they they have they know these players better than everyone. In my best Ron Coomer impression, I'll say, you know what, Jacob? I agree with that. I agree with that, Jacob. So I do think that the Chapman move was good for the team, and hopefully it pays off with a playoff trophy i made a joke today on our twitter jacob that said hopefully this results in a trophy crosstown cup we're coming for you and the cubs are already down zero to one in that series so they got to win three straight and chris sale pitches this week on thursday that last game so they're gonna have to rattle off three straight to win that big trophy you know but there is the off the field incident with chapman that we have to delve into because this was a Almost a civil war between some Cubs Twitter fans here recently. It's kind of tearing everyone apart. And to be honest with you, I've had a couple of days to think about it. I've seen about 550 different opinions on it. And I, I still haven't landed as far as what I think about it. I have some thoughts. But as far as how I'm supposed to, to think about this, I don't know. And luckily, we I don't really have a lot of experience uh, with this kind of a thing. There's... But like you said, yeah, it's a very important subject and at the same time very touchy. People, It is touchy, and no matter what some people say, no matter what you think or we think or someone else thinks, you're always going to have the people on this subject that no matter what argue till you're blue in the face, they're going to disagree with what you say. No matter what your opinion is, you're going to have hundreds of other people disagree with what you're saying. But I do have a bone to pick with a lot of the people, a lot of the Cubs fans I see on Twitter and out there, out and about, commenting on articles, Facebook, whatever, is there's a lot of misrepresentation of the facts in the domestic violence case against Chapman. A lot. There's a lot of people that are saying, I hate Araldus Chapman. I'll never cheer for him. He beat his girlfriend. That is not a proven fact. I saw a tweet that said, these are the facts we know. He choked his girlfriend, and then it went on. That is not a fact. That is not a known fact. There is so many, and there is more that said, he shot a gun at his girlfriend. That is definitely not a fact in the case. There's just so many of these. I don't know where they're getting their facts from or if they're not reading anything, but working at a TV station, I have my journalistic mindset I think sometimes there is some there is a saying that some people say don't let the facts get in the way of a good story (laughs) so it's like leaving out facts pretty much it's kind of a it's like a joke 
that someone said at one point in time in the past. But these there's just some people that saying that he choked his girlfriend. Both of them in the police report said that that did not happen. There's a picture of her during the incident that the police took of her neck. You can find it on the TMZ. There's no redness, no bruising, no scratches, no nothing. The police said there's no evidence whatsoever of Chapman choking his girlfriend. So that's that's a misrepresented fact out there that a lot of people are saying. People are saying that he beat her. He definitely um, didn't do that. There's no evidence of that. They both said that didn't happen. Again, the no scratches, no bruises thing. The Really, the only proven fact that goes against him in this case is the the gun incident and that that's that's a major that's a major um that's a major incident for sure and the report on that was he fired eight shots and from what i took of the police report he shot them into the ground and then they ricocheted up and hit the wall so it's it's a very again you said touchy situation yeah um, and there's just there's there's so much unknown and a lot of people are saying things that they might think are known but aren't known but the 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 biggest things the the gun incident jacob the the other stuff they both said that she was mad because she found something on his phone that she didn't like and she kind of rushed towards him to confront him you know like if if me and you were fighting we'd get like nose to nose right jacob sure yeah and then he kind of put his hand up and she they they were at a party so there was you know, a, a lot of people around so he kind of put his hand up and it touched her i don't know what kind of motion it didn't mention what kind of motion but it said that he put his hand up and touched her shoulder or neck area and she kind of tripped and fell backwards yeah this okay like so you said i'm just trying to give out the facts that i was reading i'm not trying to give out any opinions on it right now this is kind except of except for me saying the gun thing is an issue that's a that's a big one but the, the, those are just the facts that that i found on the internet while researching today this is yesterday. kind of my opinion one uh rob manfred the commissioner of major league baseball had access to at the very least all of the information that we have, he likely had access to. Yeah, uh, surely uh, he had more some more inside information, yeah. right? And after taking all of that in, analyzing it, thinking about it, he decided to suspend Chapman for thirty games because of domestic violence. And I think or, that that was a good suspension because you have this gun incident here, where he's not necessarily firing at somebody or even somebody that's in the same room at the time. But it's still a dangerous situation. You just never know when something might escalate. Say he's doing that just to blow off steam. I don't think it's that crazy for someone to go out, just consider no one else is there. Like, I know people who, if they're stressed or are mad, they go out, they live in the country. Obviously, this wasn't in the country. This was in a garage, which is pretty not smart. But I know people live in the country and say they're mad. They're going to go outside and they're just going to shoot their gun, like, to, to blow off some steam. Right. You get what I'm saying? Like right. target practice type of thing. And see, we can sit here and try to piece it together. But, in, I mean, there's only two people that know what happened. 
So for me, as I'm trying to figure out how I should judge this man, the only thing, or at least what I'm choosing to base it after, base it off of, is that Manford decided that it was a 30-game suspension and because of domestic violence. And I agree with you. I think that was the right decision. And I don't think that was a decision that they took lightly. We've seen – here's another thing. This sounds horrible. I'm glad this is an issue. This was not an issue three years ago. You and I were not sitting here talking about this three years ago. It is only It's only been until recently – um it's we've seen it more in the nfl or at least it's been more uh, it's definitely it's, been more relevant in the nfl especially because they seem to get caught with video in the nfl when they do it yeah they the nfl tends to i think most people would agree that they don't always respond appropriately appropriately yeah. but so so my thing is okay one we have to figure out how we're supposed to you know what did he do and we don't know. We're, we'll never know exactly. But all I know is, you know, that they decided to suspend him for it. So then, at that point, you say, okay, he's guilty of something. Let's just. I mean, it's probably something bad. So for me, the question is, when do we completely forgive him, and do we completely forgive him? Uh, what does that look like? I was really interested in what the Cubs were going to come out and say today in their statement. Did you get a chance to read their statement and Chapman's statement? I got to. I read Chapman's statement, and I did not read the Cubs statement. I saw just a few quotes from it online, but I did not read the whole thing. But I did read Chapman's entire statement. I mean, obviously, part of it is them coming out and just saying the right things. But I was. It was really interesting to me. It seems that they are going out of their way to be proactive about this, talking about it, um, talking about it very honestly and clearly what it is, not hiding behind. That's, you know, calling it an off-field issue. That's another thing that the NFL gets uh, under fire for a lot. It's just not referring to the situation as what it is. So I thought the Cubs and Chapman both, um, they did the right thing today, and at least the way they said it, um, I don't think that that means the issue's gone away. It's not going to go away. Here's the unfortunate truth, too, that I was thinking about earlier. For all we know, we root for five Cubs right now that have done the exact same thing. I, and, that's crossed my mind, too. How and, many people in all of major sports, I mean, how many people don't get caught? And because, no, unfortunately, so many victims, they can't come out, you know? And, and in no way am I saying saying that as a defense for Chapman, um, if he in what he did. But what I'm all I'm saying is that, yeah, there's a lot of instances where maybe the wife or the girlfriend didn't think that it was worth calling the police and bringing up this entire firestorm we've seen, and it's unfortunate. But it's just like I mean, for all you know, there's four guys on every team in Major League Baseball that's done this, and Chapman's the only one where we found out about it. Again, I'm not in any way trying to say, so we shouldn't really care about it because it's probably happening everywhere. I'm not trying to say that. It's just an observation. It's just I was thinking about it earlier. Yeah, I was it's, like, Man, it's this definitely is just... something. It's just a sad truth, is what it is. It's not a not, that's a sad truth because you know right. it happens, a, a more than we'd like to admit, but. There's so many people that don't get caught because the victims can't come forward, and it's just a vicious, ugly cycle. But I, I know what you're saying. I get what you're trying to say, and no defense to what happens, but it is just it's an ugly truth is what at, that is. And at this point, 
I don't think anyone, well, maybe a lot of people would say this. I should rephrase that. I don't think a lot of people are saying he doesn't have the right to be employed anymore. So the fact that he's playing, I don't, I don't think a lot of people have a problem with that. So at this point, it's a, it's a business. It's, it, it's winning baseball games. And it seems weird to, to simplify it to that because obviously there's much more to him than throwing 105 miles per hour. But from the Cubs' perspective – and then the way I see it from therefore my perspective is he, he served the suspension. They've been proactive about it. They've come out, they've talked about it. They put it all on the table. Um, one thing I was very interested in, or I thought was very interesting is that Theo and Jed got permission from major league baseball and the Yankees to go. I don't know if it was in person, but to, to talk to Chapman before the deal was finalized to make sure that they were on the same page to make sure that, um, he understood what was going to be uh, required of him to understand, you know, all the things that that are involved in a situation like that. So I thought that was interesting. And I think it just shows that Theo and Jed, they they didn't just jump into this. They know what they're doing. They knew what was at stake. And uh, I'm glad that they handled it the way they did. I think that's pretty much the best case scenario for handling a situation like that. Jed and Theo have been around for a while they've they've done their due diligence on this matter they what at, at some point what more can you do to try you're not going to please everybody yeah and um, i mean and once we and i don't want to say get past this issue because that makes it seem like something I, I there's no way for me to talk about this without sounding like i'm discrediting the fact that he was accused of horrible things but once we um i once we start looking at him as a baseball player and go, okay, it is it is what it is. Yeah, I see a lot of people saying that they're not going to cheer for him personally, which is fine. I understand that. And that's, I mean, what he did was wrong, obviously. You can't, after that, you can't go in. I was going to make the point earlier, and then I got sidetracked. Say he is, blowing, when I was talking about the, like the people in the country blow off steam shooting guns. I know plenty of people who do that just to blow off stress because it's something they enjoy. But say that he's doing that in the garage and she runs in to confront him again. You don't know what's going to happen. You yeah. don't. Like in a, in a fit of rage, you don't know. You just and don't know. Like anything can happen at that point. You could have two people lying deceased. That's right. the point I was trying to make. That's just it was just so careless. Yeah. Um but I'm, I mean I'm, a lot of the, the the people on Twitter though, it's not fair to say that he beat his girlfriend that night. It's not fair to say he choked his girlfriend that night. So those were just a few of the misrepresented facts though that I was uh I was concerned about because misrepresentation of the facts is bad deal, Jacob. Yeah, I mean when I first heard about it my thought was, oh, that guy beat his girlfriend. <laughs> what are we doing? And then I, I kind of had the same. Uh, I went through and looked at yeah, it. Yeah, someone realized... said. I saw another tweet that said he admitted to choking his girlfriend. He never admitted to that. Nor right. was it in the police report. Nor did she say it happened. It, and you know, one thing I think that people are mad about um, is that when his, his first statement after the incident, I, I don't. Even, he might have still been with the Reds at that time. I forget, I don't want to quote him because I don't remember the quote exactly, but he appeared to be very unremorseful, and I think that made a lot of people mad. He said and, something like he did nothing wrong or something of that sort, which that that's also, that's that's not a good quote. 
no, because you it, did do something wrong. And it's a it's a horrible situation to be in. But if you truly did do nothing wrong, but you're in that situation, you almost just have to take the high ground and just. I don't know. I've never been in that situation, but um, one thing I don't like is people comparing this to the Patrick Kane situation. Um, Patrick, you mean Kane, innocent Patrick Kane. Yeah, uh, Patrick Kane. He wasn't. I, mean, I don't even want to get in on that one. Then I'm really going to get crucified by some of our listeners. I, I think the biggest the biggest difference would be that Patrick Kane was never actually um, uh, suspended or fined by the NHL. Um, and it is it is important to note I, that yeah that Patrick Kane no thing. You ever heard that charge. song by Kanye West and uh, Jamie Gold Fox? Digger? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah. Uh, I think it is important to note that Chapman. There were there were no criminal charges brought against him. Um, I think this would be a completely different scenario if that was the case. One, because we probably couldn't trade for him because he'd be in prison. But two, yeah, uh, you you can't compare the two, right? And I'll again, go to, I'll, I'll I'll fight I'll fight for my right for the Patrick Kane case. There's um I think there was something consensual that happened, and then someone found out who Patrick Kane was. You look at the past of the accuser in that case, and it was. There's very, a lot of very questionable. A lot of questionable things going on in that case. I hope we don't ever have to talk about this again, but I'm glad we did because I'm glad that people care about this issue. Because, like we were saying earlier, think about when no one cared about this stuff. Like in the let's say the '90s, I'm sure this stuff was happening all the time, <laughs> like all the time, or it, not just the '90s. Yeah, it's just coming to light, and it is it is coming to light in every every sport, and not just sports, but really around the country. Yeah, it's it's a terrible thing, but I'm glad that we're talking about it. I'm glad that it's something it's we care about. It's better than being ignored like it was 10, 15, 20, and so on years ago. And something we're all going to have to collectively figure out is how do you... You know what we need to do? We need to go find a, a Baltimore Ravens podcast and get them on. Well, I guess he didn't. I'm trying to think of an example where... Oh, Jose Reyes, that's a great example. Where uh, he had, it was a very similar incident and went back to the Mets. Um, and now... It's like, how do we do this, guys? How how do we do? Are we supposed to root for him? Someone, please tell us what we're supposed to do. We're having some internal conflict. Yeah, I feel like I had a lot of unfinished thoughts on this podcast, but we're running out of time. I feel like I got through a bunch of half sentences and then switched gears because there was so much to talk about. But we could probably have a two-hour podcast on this and just keep going. But at the end of the day, if you don't want to root for Aroldis Chapman, that's fine. I see a lot of people saying they won't root for him, but they'll root for the Cubs to get outs when he's pitching, things like that. So everyone's entitled to their opinion. I'm sure a lot of people listening don't agree with our opinions, and they might want to crucify us. But that's just how it's going to be when you get on these hot topics, Jacob. If you want to crucify us, crucify us at Wrigley Weeman at Gmail. <laughs> yeah, if you'd like to, that's a good one. Send your hate mail to Wrigley Weeman at If you want to throw a brick through my window, I live at 15474. <laughs> All right, Jacob. Let's hope that the Cubs don't blow any more games against the White Sox this week or all this Chapman will be with the team as we're releasing this podcast, really. So we'll see what the Cubs can do. Onward and upward. Hopefully we didn't make anybody mad. And that's going to be it for this week, I think, Jacob. Unless I'll let you have the parting thought here this I'm excited. In a couple days, I'm driving up. I'm gonna go. I'm going to the game on Thursday with the White Sox and the game on Friday with the Mariners. But man, I hope Chris Sale pitches on Thursday because I want to be there. 
and I want to see all the signs, and I want to see the the cardboard scissors. I want to see everything. <laughs> all right. Well, you have fun up there, and I will hold it down from my couch and look for you on TV. That's going to be it for this week of the Wrigley Wingmen. Check us out on Twitter at Wrigley Wingmen, and you already had the email address if you want to send us your hate mail. As always, go Cubbies.